0: Pedrosian throws to Sandberg and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it. Throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have built on in.
1: The Giants have won the pennant.
0: Well, Brad, it was quite the quiet trade deadline. Giants Twitter had everyone from Johnny Cueto to to Gossman going in any sort of deal possible but nothing happened the Giants added one player which we'll get to in a little bit but what were your expectations with this trade deadline you know
1: I wasn't too sure what to expect Um, Gossman Cueto possibly Cueto still has a lot you know a lot of big numbers left on the deal Um, so that, that was one of those things where I I could see Zaidi just saying, Hey, uh, will somebody take him? We'll pay for part of his deal. We don't care who we get back on that one. Uh, just to get out from under most of that deal. I think after the Padres started making a lot of waves, I thought, all right. Giants are probably going to turn into sellers at this point. I, mm-hmm. I sent you a message saying, I, I expect the Giants to just start selling some pieces. Um, I didn't expect nothing. I really didn't expect nothing to happen, but it happened.
0: <laughs> yeah. The the Padres, they did go out and they got a catcher from the Mariners. They traded for Clevenger, who I think was probably a little persona non grata in Cleveland <laughs> for... Uh, yeah. For his little mishap during, uh, during, you know, when they were supposed to be quarantining. I think
1: there had to be more to that, though. Because if that's all that happened... Um, I mean, he's been with the team for a few years. So I think mm-hmm. there's a little bit more behind that. So maybe we'll see some more stuff come out now that he's out of Cleveland.
0: Well, he seemingly was just like... like I, I guess he was a little apologetic, but maybe not really... Happy with the uh, amount of you know, criticism that he got for that? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I. I don't read a lot of Cleveland Indian stuff, but I did read something in the Athletic by the uh, one. Of, one of the main writers there that kind of dressed dressed both of those guys down. Pretty. Pretty. Uh, Pretty severely. I, I was actually surprised. I actually, was was happy to read it because it was a really stupid thing. But um, you know, but he's 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 talented. He's he's a really good pitcher. So the Padres are you know they're they're right there, and and it's pretty amazing because we're so used to them. In, you know, you know, the last several years just kind of you know being being a little little bit of a pest, but sort of like you know the Giants fans travel to San Diego and they turn San Diego into like you know uh, San Francisco part two. So. Now now the Padres fans uh, really have a lot to cheer about.
1: Yeah, and, and definitely, I think, I mean, the Padres got a great pitcher in Clevenger. I'm, I'm a Clevenger fan uh, playing fantasy baseball. He's one of those guys that I tried to get every year. He's just a, he's, he's just a filthy right-hander. Uh, he, he racks up uh, double-digit strikeouts almost every game. Uh, he's got a lot of good swing and miss stuff. Um, but, yeah. Preller out there in San Diego I think he's saying, "Hey, short season if somebody else can knock off the Dodgers on our way I mean I say that but they're only five games back you know Dodgers are are a powerhouse but you know San Diego remember that you
0: know that that one eight first round matchup is only like a three gamer
1: right it's a three gamer and as of now it's going to be at the higher seeds ballpark for all three games. They want to limit travel.
0: Um, that, that makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then they're kicking around the idea, too, of possibly having, well, let's do the National League playoffs all in California. So maybe right. it's just in three right. ballparks. And then right. American League all in Texas. So we'll see how that goes. But
0: um, Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that trade in a second. The one thing that I wanted to tease... Is that you know your show, uh, this show with you and me is going to be a little bit uh, less than usual because we have a really fun interview with uh, Carmen Q, who is on. If you're uh, if you're in the Bay Area, which uh, I'm assuming a lot of the folks who listen to this are, and you you know the NBC Sports Bay Area, they have a show called Triples Alley, which is after uh, after the home games, I believe. It may, may, I don't, it may be after the away games, too. I can't remember exactly because they're not having it this year, obviously, because of the pandemic. But uh, Carmen and uh, Cole Kuyper and there's there's one other woman that was on it that I, I can't her name is, is I'm forgetting it right now. But they would do like a postgame show after, you know, after um, Fleming and Miller and Kuyper and Krugo did their thing. Then they would come on after and they would do a postgame show. So she was on that show last year. And she's also on KMBR on the weekends with uh, Marty Lurie. Now, as she will explain in in the, uh, the interview, which I taped earlier this week, uh, that is also sort of not exactly what it was before the pandemic. But, uh, you know, people will remember her on that show the last couple years. And um, yeah, you know, I first followed her on Twitter because she was like, the gif machine like any big play that happened in a giants game like she had it in a gif form and just like oh cool we could retweet all these cool gifs and stuff so so um she will be towards the end of this show and uh and so that'll be a lot of fun i know her decently well over the years and so it was was good to catch up with her because i hadn't talked to her in quite a while okay so now as we as we love to talk about what is it that you are drinking tonight while we do this show
1: well um <clears throat> i put on twitter i was going back and forth between beer and bourbon and 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 i think I, I settled on a beer um not that i think i did i know i did i haven't had that much um i had i pulled myself uh i like stone brewing company a lot uh i think the last time i had a beer on this show i all, it was also stone i tried to mix it up today but then i saw this in the fridge and i thought nope going for that it's the tiki escape ipa it comes in the uh Tiki Escape Mix Pack by Stone Brewing Company. If you get a chance, Sam's Club has them in stock all the time. Um, They're uh, available in the summer. It's got the Scorpion Bowl IPA, Tangerine Express IPA, Tiki Escape IPA, and then the Buena Vesa uh, Salt and Lime Lager, which is only like a 4%er, and that one's really good too. But this one's like a nice little punchy 7.7, very fruity from the hops IPA thirst-quenching. It's uh, smoky in Reno today. It's hot in Reno like it is every day. So I needed some thirst-quenching hops. But uh, what did you go? Did you go beer? Did you go bourbon?
0: No, I went whiskey. Uh, I had a a bottle. um, I think it was uh, Crystal's ex-husband bought it for me for, I think it was Father's Day. Mm. And so it was... um, Cavalin, or I think that's how you pronounce it, Cavalin? Kavalin. Cav- I I gotta look it up. Um, and so it was. Uh, you know, I, I've seen it before, and it is. Uh, it is a really good. It is. A, it is actually a little pricey. a Little pricier than what I would buy for myself. So, I really appreciated it. it. It was. It is a, a Taiwanese uh, whiskey, mm. and it's really. It's really good. Like sometimes uh, when I drink whiskey versus bourbon. It's a, it's a little strong, so I have to drink it really slowly. Yeah. And, and that's what this is. Like, I drink it really slowly because it's, it's pretty heated, too. And so you kind of got to take your time with it or else, you know, <laughs> you're having a little bit of a better time than you bargained for. <laughs> and so... Uh, a I, sneaker, a little sneaker kind of comes yeah, up on you. Yeah, totally. So, uh, so it, it's, re- it's really good, though. If I, if I pace myself and I, and I drink it very slowly, it is, it is really good stuff.
1: Nice. I just looked up the bottle. It looks very good.
0: Yes, so now that we are uh, now that we got through that, let's talk about a little bit more about this trade. Uh, the Giants acquired Rays left-hander Anthony Banda, and I'm reading from uh, Alex Pavlovich's report from this morning. In exchange for cash considerations to clear the uh, roster spot, Joey Ricard was put on the 45-day IL with elbow inflammation, ending his season. And uh, it, it looks like um, you know banda has been struggling, obviously, or else he wouldn't have been made available by the D, by the uh, by the Rays. But he was a top one hundred prospect just a few years ago. Had Tommy John in two thousand and eighteen, and hasn't really gotten back to his form. Uh, struggled l- last year, uh, gave up a lot of jacks, gave up a lot of walks, and uh, even this year uh, on this year's team. He he made four appearances, allowed eight runs and in seven innings. So I don't think he's going to be in the mix this year on the big team, unless uh, you know, unless you know, maybe they have some injuries. But I think they're sending him to Sacramento and maybe trying to see if they can get him right so that he can be a contributor uh, in the future.
1: Well, with uh, Zaidi and these guys, uh, you know, they do they do take a lot of flyers, and that's fantastic because some of these do pay off. I mean, they can turn around and be. Great, uh, great trade pieces. You look at Pomeranz. Um, you know, uh, in, a, in a regular season, um, I don't know. I definitely know he he would. Be getting a shot maybe later in the season, but yeah, like you said, in this this type of environment, I don't I don't see him up with the club this year. Um, but in, and also in a regular season, you see a guy like Gossman, he probably would have been gone this mm-hmm. year. Uh, he would have been a half season type of guy. Um, Giants are starting to become known as they're building. That uh, minor league system starting to become known as the team that's going to give you that one year contract, get you out to contender around July, and then uh, reap a little rewards from it. So,
0: you know, yeah, you never Drew, know. Drew Smiley was also a guy that yeah. they kind of, uh, f- I wouldn't say fixed, but they helped him kind of get back to form. I, who, who's the guy that is. Um the Giants have so many coaches, and I forget the guy's name. I'll look. I'll look it up in a, in a second here, but uh, there there was a coach. Um, uh, was that the guy that 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 worked uh, worked for Driveline, who helped Smiley? I think get like get some uptick in his velocity.
1: Oh, was that uh, Daniels? I think uh, Matt Matt Daniels. Is that who was? Right? I think you're yeah. right. I think yeah, he did work at Driveline, so I, I believe that's him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you start to get a little bit of a reputation for being a place where, you know, guys can come in and and maybe have a second act to their career or get something back that they may have, uh, you know, that they may have been missing. uh, I think I think it's really good for reputation for the for the uh, organization. You become attractive for guys who, you know, because if you're a player and you know you just don't have it anymore and you don't have that will like you know that's kind of how guys retire you know early is because yeah you know just don't have it i'm not into it anymore but the guys who they do have that desire and they do want to fix whatever is wrong like those guys will tirelessly work out and try and try and giant's organization you know if if that becomes this place they're going to find a, a lot of guys like that not everyone is going to is going to be someone who can help them but you know, you you have this reputation of, of being someone who can help guys. And look, and look I think, um, is, it, is it the Mariners GM? Uh, now, who, who is the GM? There's, there's a GM today uh, that had traded for a prospect who was, you know, in the top two or three prospects of an organization a few years ago and kind of fell out of that. And there is this really attractive to trying to help somebody get to that next level. And if you have faith in your organization to do that, which I think the Giants do, then yeah, then, then those guys become attractive.
1: Well, and you know, throwing it to the, to the gaming side of things, I know you and I, when we play out-of-the-park baseball, that's the best part about being the GM is you can look at these guys and just say, Hey, this guy was a top prospect. He was drafted high. He's still up on the list. And I think, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of these guys in real life, obviously they're not playing the game, but in real life they're seeing that. And, and that is attractive to a lot of general managers. Hey, how can I put my stamp on what it is that we do here in this organization? And I think with the giants, that's what they're doing. They're putting their stamp and they're saying, we can take you in, we've got the technology, we can help you turn around, we can get you that big money deal down the line. And, and then one of these days, it's, it's going to be us, it's going to be the Giants signing those guys for longer deals. Now that that, that farm system farm system is starting to build up, um, soon, year or two from now, the Giants are going to be contenders, and they're going to start pulling these guys in and say, hey, you come here for five or six years, we can get you uh, you know, all-star games, we can get you uh, a huge deal and we can get you into the playoffs every year. So,
0: so Matt Daniels on Twitter is one gun 45 and you'll see lots of videos of him sort of analyzing uh, pitches there. There's one for um, uh, Coonrod who had some nasty stuff this weekend. And so he's sort yeah. of analyzing Coonrod and do we have a new closer? Is that, I mean <laughs> could be <laughs> <laughs> I mean for tw- 24 games right <laughs> well i mean he fits the bill right like he throws harder than anybody else on their on their roster at least as as far as on the team right now and you know if he can get his stuff right and he, he like the, the pitches that he's getting people to swing and miss at aren't probably going to be called strikes so <laughs> right you know it, 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 it's he's got that kind of stuff where guys are just up there going like oh I gotta I gotta swing because I don't know you know I don't I, I don't have time to figure this out so that I mean that 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 works in his favor it, it, it'll be fun to see I you know I know a lot of the fan base is kind of frustrated with him because <laughs> he decided not to, to stand during the, uh, the I mean decided not to kneel during the national anthem of that first game. Yeah. And I mean, rightfully so. I get it. You know, you have an entire team uh, doing that, and he's he's the only one who doesn't. Now, separating sort of what that is, uh, what, what you get emotionally, I, I get it too. And then sort of separating the baseball's business kind of thing. I think it's, it's okay for us to go, you know what, like I'm rooting for him to win games. And even if, you know, I may disagree with him on, on some, some things that, that, uh, maybe we shouldn't disagree on, but you know, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so that, I mean, that's a, that, that's a big part of this, right. Cause you, this is a team that is built, uh, around a uh, a fan base that does not stand for stuff like that. So
1: no, I mean when you're a player in San Francisco, there there are certain things expected of you. You don't sign in San Francisco and not understand the culture of California, mm-hmm. the culture of the Bay Area. Um, what has been fought for and stood for for years in that city and that area. You know, I'm from there. I I was born and raised in. I was born in San Jose, raised in Santa Clara, uh, moved here in 2003 to Reno. Um, There's definitely a difference. There's a difference, different culture between the Bay Area and here. But it never left me. Um, It came with me. Um, You know that love and support for everybody is out there, uh, especially in our household. Um, But yeah, it's it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to. To see that happen in the first game and say you know a uh, little bit of unity not quite happening again his excuse for that was um, he he only kneels for for God and and that's again I I'm not gonna knock a guy for his personal preference for mm-hmm. his beliefs and whatnot so that that's just kind of where I'm at on right. that one right didn't he throw 101 though I mean, <laughs> yeah. does that
0: does that make up for something yeah, I mean I know. Uh, but
1: yeah I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, look,
0: he, he, he wears the jersey. It's, it's up to sort of the Giants to get what they can out of him. And if, yeah. and if, and if he, you know, I, I would imagine that the, the teammates, um, you know, may have something to say about that. But, or, or maybe they not. Maybe they just want to win ball games, and that's kind of how they're built. I, I'm not going to, like you said, I'm not going to criticize any of this stuff. I can have my own sort of views on it and, and uh, whether or not he's a fan favorite of mine. But otherwise, this is just the business of baseball.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And business, it is. I mean, that—that's what it always is.
0: Not—not not to make this a uh, a podcast about some of the societal ills or anything, but what did you think about the the players uh, and, and you know kind of coming together? They canceled the Giants and the Dodgers this week. Um, the NBA kind of led this whole thing with the uh, the shooting of uh, Jacob Blake by the cops and. That that has become a really big story, but it's also, at the same time, you're just like, again, you know, it's like one of those things where you're just like, man, this stuff keeps happening. And, you know, the players, they took a stand and the NBA being in the bubble, that probably had something to do with it because these guys are are away from their families and away from the real world uh, pretty much. But baseball, which historically... They are all or nothing because of that union, and you had some teams decide not to play. Gi- uh, Dodgers were one of them, and the Giants kind of decided that they were going to follow that and respect Mookie Betts and Dave Roberts, and uh, but they weren't the only ones. Uh, you know, there was a there was other teams who decided not to play the. I think the A's and the Astros uh, on Friday, which was uh, the Jackie Robinson anniversary of Jackie Robinson signing with the Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers they stood on the field for 42 seconds and then they walked off. So not, not something you expect necessarily from baseball, but, uh, I was quite surprised and I, you know, appreciated the, the effort to really create, you know, a little bit of awareness out of this.
1: Yeah. Like you said you, in baseball, it's not something you see all the time. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in if you've got a platform and you've got something to say, go ahead and say it. I mean, you you were given that platform, um, you know, try try not to make it something stupid. You, you know what I mean. Just because you have a platform doesn't mean you need to be run our test and do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you've got, if there is something that you feel passionate about, if there is something that you see wrong in our country, and you've got that platform, it does nothing but bring awareness. If you do something like that, if you go ahead and protest a game. Uh, they shut down baseball almost for, for a half a day. You know, it Mm -hmm. didn't, didn't start happening earlier with the earlier games, but, but that brings awareness. And I think that's, uh, fantastic. That's what this country was built on. I mean, you, you, you can go out there and you can protest, you can go out there and you can voice your opinion. You can go out there and, and, you know, bring awareness to, to a problem that we have in our country. And, And it's been since this country was born, unfortunately. So, um, that, that's pretty much what I thought about it. Again, I don't want to get too much into my thoughts and beliefs on the whole thing. Uh, you know where I'm from. You know the family I'm raising. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. So, yeah.
0: So, let's talk about the week that was. The Giants went 3-3 three and three on the week. After you and I recorded, they went and beat the Dodgers with uh, Donovan Solano, Donnie Barrels, hitting a two-run <laughs> jack in extra innings to win the game. And then then the game where they didn't play happened. And so they had to play two seven-game doubleheaders, which we had joked a couple weeks ago that that was maybe a good thing for them, but it was not because they got swept right. and didn't score a run in 14 innings. And uh, that was kind of frustrating because I wanted, you know, last on the last podcast I said, you know, I want to see them really fight the Dodgers hard. I want to see them go toe-to-toe with these guys and treat these games Like they're really important. And for that one game that the game that uh, they won, they did. And the other the other two games, they kind of just rolled over and played dead a little bit. But what did you think about that? You know, just that whole thing of that winning that game, then not playing and then coming back with this weird seven inning doubleheader. Well, and
1: I had seen it on Twitter too and I didn't, you know, I didn't really think about this because the Giants hadn't played any doubleheaders this season yet, so that kind of uh, you know, forced them into a doubleheader the next day. You get down 4 nothing in a 7-inning game in mm-hmm. the 3rd or 4th inning. That's a tall hill to climb. That's, you know, That that's basically the equivalent of like being down seven nothing in a nine inning game, like they were against uh, the Diamondbacks later in the week. Yeah, it's that same feel. You you sit there and you go, oh well, you know it's only the third inning, and you start to calculate and you go, oh wait, they only have twelve outs left, and they've got to try to come back against this. So yeah, so that was the tough part, and and to see the bats all of a sudden go silent. You know, from being crazy and all over the place and knocking the ball out of the park and all over, and and then all of a sudden have the bats go silent for a couple games. I, it's worrisome (laughs) when you're watching that. You're thinking we're on a roll, man, and all of a sudden we get you know skunked in a in a in a
0: doubleheader. So that was rough. Yeah, and then you mentioned that Friday game, which they did not play very well either. Though they came back uh, late to score a few runs to make it not too embarrassing. Because you know if you, if, you, if they didn't if, if it was seven zero again, <laughs> you know that would have been three games in a row and they would have been outscored you know like sixteen to zero. But yeah. they fought back a little bit, scored some runs, and then they won on Saturday and Sunday. With Sunday being a really strong Johnny Cueto game, he I think he gave up one hit, uh, one hard hit ball actually, uh, w- which was the home run by Escobar, and looked awesome. Like Johnny Cueto just looked great. Oh yeah just putting the ball wherever he wanted it was almost like the baseball was on a string for him
1: yeah and and then and then you know as we're watching that game we're thinking hey <clears throat> this is kind of kind of a nice little tryout a couple days before the um uh or day before the uh the trade deadline so we're thinking oh, all right attractive that's that's pretty nice um you know it was a weird series in arizona too that that's always one of those ones where it's july august That ball just flies out of there, (laughs) you know, and like we talked about during the week, I went ahead and I went on the fan graphs because you mentioned fan graphs last Mm -hmm. week and I hadn't been on there in a long time, believe it or not, being a big Giants, being a big baseball fan and loving numbers, I hadn't been on there a whole lot. I go on there for, you know, just to kind of take a peek at things and, and look around for fun. But I went ahead and, and you had asked me, you know, uh, h- how are the relievers doing? So I said, well, let, let me look at this. And over the week, in 20 and two-thirds innings, they gave up no runs except for Suarez, who gave up two runs. I believe he's not no longer with the team, actually, right? Did, I think he
0: got uh, – did he get designated? I got to look that up. He, now. I think he – did I, I'm trying to remember if he came back up because there was, I th- I think maybe he had come back up, but yeah, let's check it out. Yeah,
1: I'm not quite sure. Um, but anyways, keep, t- keep talking and I'll yeah, yeah, yeah figure okay. it out twenty and two thirds innings. They gave up no runs except for the Suarez runs. Um, they are overall the the bullpen overall on the season is 19th in the league with a 4.86 ERA. That's that's decent. That's good. Um. It's not awesome, but over the last two weeks, if you've noticed watching these games, anytime we get a reliever in there and they're shutting things down, well, that's because over the last two weeks, they are second in the league in Major League Baseball with a Mm. 1.2 ERA, third in the majors with home runs per nine at uh, first in the majors in BABIP. 0.207 and seventh in the majors with a 3.60 uh, walks per nine. That's one thing I do notice as a fan watching the games. We'll get a reliever in there, and then all of a sudden you're 2030, and you're like, oh, man. So the Giants, are, you know, the bullpen has given up a few walks, not, not a ton. They're still seventh in
0: the league. Um, but that's kind of their one sticking point
1: at, at, at this point in the season.
0: Yeah, I think Suarez did get brought up recently. Uh, I, it may have been... Gosh, I'm trying to remember because they made they made a few different moves with guys. Uh, you know, one thing we can say is uh, Derek Rodriguez, who I like to call Baby Pudge, uh, they DFA'd him and he got picked up by the Tigers today, so he's officially off of their roster. He's gone. Yeah,
1: uh, I, I might be wrong on Suarez. I might have just had a thought on that, but uh, but either way, uh, the bullpen is <clears throat> is pitching lights out the last two weeks. Let's see if they can keep that up. And then when it comes to hitting, man. We were so excited a few weeks ago about Flores and Solano and Yaz just tearing the cover off the ball. And we go, hey, as soon as the old guard can start to contribute a little bit, this is going to be an extremely powerful lineup. Well, they have, right? Yep. I mean, Longo's hit 435 over the last two weeks, belt 429, uh, Crawford 400. Well, now Flores over the last two weeks, 190, Solano, 158, Yaz, 136. I mean, so (laughs) there's kind of traded places at this point. Um, But that's why they're staying in games, though, because they still have some hot hitters. They still have that awesome bullpen. Starters are not too shabby at this point. Uh, They've fallen off a little bit from where they were a couple weeks ago. Um, And then poor Joey Bart. Mm-hmm. Get things going, man. 0.053 over the last two weeks. That's that's pretty much his major league career right there
0: so far. What did you think about um, uh, your boy, Trump, starting with Cueto behind uh, on the slab, knowing that Cueto and Joy Bart did not have uh, great chemistry the last time?
1: Yeah, that one's that one's hard not to look into, right? I mean, it's it's hard to take a look at that and not say, is there something behind that? But, you know, these guys are professionals. They're going to get on the same page. I don't see, if that's the issue, I don't see um, Cueto and Bart not trying to work together for the next start. Uh, I guarantee you almost 100%. The next Cueto start, you're going to see Bart back there. Unless for some, I mean, Cueto's a pretty easygoing dude. I, I can imagine he's going to work with Bart, but unless for some reason they are just not getting along, if there's a language barrier, if there's something happening, then maybe you don't see it. But, um, you know, I, I think the next time out, Quaito and Bart will be together.
0: All right. So the Giants have two against the Rockies here today. They are, uh, as we are recording this on Monday night, they are uh, on an off day. They have two against the Rockies. Then there's another off day, which is kind of crazy because they've had so few this year. Yeah. Um, and then they uh, – yeah, so they will have uh, two against the Rockies in, in Colorado. Then they have four in a row against the Diamondbacks at home and then two with the Mariners. Uh, so the interesting uh, Friday through Monday four-game series with the Mariners because uh, they had their Thursday day off. But, you know, that they, they – um, <laughs> it's, it's so funny because you look at the schedule – and, you know, we only got to go through the 27th of this month and the season's over. Yeah, that's crazy. 24. I just
1: was adding it up earlier. 24 games left in the season. Man, that is that's pretty crazy. That's just over three weeks.
0: So they do have the Padres um another seven times and they got the A's another three times. So those are, those are going to be tough. But everyone else they play is is pretty much you know kind of right in their wheelhouse as far as competitiveness and and them being able to uh, you know to match up with some of these teams. What do you what are your thoughts on the possibility that they might be able to kind of sneak into the playoffs here? So as of this recording. We have San Diego, the Marlins, and Colorado as the second-place teams in the division, so then being the next three teams in the playoffs. And so that leaves two wildcard spots. And the West right now, Philadelphia and St. Louis, their uh, winning percentage is a little bit higher than the Giants. The Giants sit third in that wild card race, but Milwaukee, Cincinnati, the Mets—they're all sort of right there. So it's not like the Giants have any sort of uh, lead in you know to to that spot in any way, because you know there, there's a handful of teams that are sort of right next to them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but just uh, you know, what are your thoughts about this? Are you are you do you expect them to play well down the stretch now that they don't have any games with the Dodgers left? you know the like i mentioned the 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 Padres who are 21 and 15 and then the Rockies who are 17 and 17 they see a lot of them but uh you know still some games against Arizona who they've played very well this year any thoughts on what what they could possibly do
1: well let's let's just look at hard numbers here for a second and and, and again these are not you know not really scientific they're, i guess i guess you could say they're more scientific than they are feel so right now the Giants are, they have a 39.6% chance of making the playoffs. They also have a 33.9% chance of winning the wild card. That's second to only the Rockies. So according to fan graphs, according to numbers, according to scientific evidence, the Giants are a good possibility to get into one of the wild card spots and then sending four teams from the national league West to the playoffs. Um, Again, totally scientific. If the Giants can start to put everything together at once, like we were just talking about earlier, bullpen is lights out right now, starters have fallen off. The veteran hitters are starting to pull it together. The younger not so much veteran guys to the giants are starting to kind of tail off. If they can all kind of gel at the same time, if we can get all four of those elements working together, the giants can get into one of those wild card spots no problem. Can they overtake the Padres and or Dodgers? I mean, no way they're going to overtake the Dodgers, but can they overtake the Padres? They have a five point seven percent chance of overtaking the Padres. Padres have an eighty three point two percent chance of winning second place in the division. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's
0: it, it's there, but but more gelling needs to happen if it mm-hmm. makes sense. So uh, the other thing that I think is pretty interesting is, you know, I, I think we would all hope that they. You know, that they do make a little bit of a run because it's always fun watching a team, especially one who is not really expected to do much, to, you know, to play better than they usually are. Now, that doesn't necessarily bode well for the playoffs unless you're the 2014 Giants. But still, you know, I think it'd be fun to kind of root for them even in this bizarro baseball season. But, you know, also the other thing to look at is they're not that far away from. The bottom of this list, right? So if you're thinking of like, oh, you know, draft pick proceedings or something, <laughs> you know, the the Angels, the Red Sox, and uh, the the Pirates, uh, and um, the Nationals, those are, you know, those are the four worst teams, Texas, uh, Kansas City right there. You know, if the Giants did lose like a couple games in a row and, and kind of go on a little bit of a, a, a slide, they would be right there with all those other teams, so it's kind of weird, like because you want them to be in the playoffs, but at the same time, if they lose a few games, they get closer to the bottom, and that you know, if you're thinking about this in the long term, and you're thinking about this from a, a, a draft perspective, you know, that the, they are not that far from getting a really good low uh, high draft pick in, in the in the next year's draft.
1: Uh- I I definitely see where you're going. <clears throat> I have a hard time always thinking about that. I I'm not a big draft guy, even in football. I'm mm-hmm. uh, you know Los Angeles Rams fan. Unfortunately, that's my burden to carry. But um, you know, being a Rams fan for years, it was always that. Hey, we're we're you know. 4 and 11 uh, you know if we lose this last game we get yeah. x you know draft pick but we're playing the Niners so i just want to win
0: yeah <laughs> exactly fan, exactly i, I
1: just want to win so and we know this team the giants are capable of a i mean they they've they've had a seven game win streak this season they're more of a 500 club because of the non-gelling of of things happening at the same time they're they're definitely more of a 500 club i don't think that they're that type of club that could reel off, you know, seven or eight losses in a row and end up near the bottom. They just, they've got too much talent around them. Um, So I I just, I just, I can't see that happening. Uh, But I could see them sneaking into the playoffs. I mean, I I definitely see that happening.
0: All right. So uh, let's go to the interview that I did with Carmen And what we're going to do is you and I are going to come back and we'll do the last segment on what we normally do uh, at the end of the show, which is our greatest Giants team of all time tournament using out-of-the-park baseball. And it is the 1962 Giants, which were uh, World Series losers against the 1965 Giants, who did not make the playoffs. So this is a four four versus 13 matchup. Uh, and so, uh, we'll, we'll talk to Carmen, uh, and then we'll come back with the, uh, 62 versus 65 matchup. As promised, bringing on Carmen Q to talk about her fandom and, uh, just her being a Giants fan and being an influencer and a content creator. Carmen, what's going on?
2: Hey, I'm doing good. How is everything going with you?
0: Pretty good. So, what most of the people who are listening to this may not know is, you and I did some old podcasts back in the day. Yeah, uh, not really about the Giants. It was actually about uh, MTV's The Challenge, and we even you, you, we even got uh, Alex Pavlovich, who's the the beat writer for for the Giants, to come on. So we haven't really talked outside of in social media uh, since then. But it's great to have you on, and uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with you here.
2: Yeah, gosh, the challenge stuff was so long ago. Um, Believe it or not, I'm still very much involved in watching the challenge. So if you ever want to pick that back up, just let me know.
0: Definitely. We'll have have to talk about that on the side. So, um, you know, in part of this this segment, which I, I just started on this podcast, which is kind of reaching out to some of the content creators and the influencers and social media around the Giants team, uh, just your background, I, I know, you know, you're one of the co-hosts on, on Triple Alley and you, you do a segment on the weekend with Marty Lurie uh, and KMBR. How has the pandemic affected all of those projects that, that you're on?
2: Oh, man. I mean, like everybody else who's involved in sports, uh, it's not going the best just because, you know, I think... Um, I've seen a lot of my colleagues get furloughed or just not have the same access or everything's kind of shifted, obviously, as life does in Corona times. But for me personally, Triple's Alley is on hiatus this season. Um, we did have a slated schedule uh, when things were un y but uh, because how things have ex- escalated and just wanting to limit access to uh, the studio and things like that, it just didn't make sense to continue the show this season. Um, and then with Marty's show on KBR you know, obviously I would be there every weekend with him on the public house patio and... Um, doing the show from there and being a little bit more involved. But because, again, nobody is allowed in the studio to record and, you know, I do not have high-tech radio equipment at my house, um, it ends up just being kind of a call-in segment every weekend now um, just to kind of talk a little bit about baseball. But, you know, I used to do a lot more interviews, things like that. It's just not possible in kind of the climate that we're in right now.
0: I would watch triple zally and you guys were on late like how did yeah. you like i mean you, you you have a day job as well i imagine you know being up so late and then doing your your day job was quite the challenge
2: uh yeah it was and i i think last season especially it was just like extra innings central i don't know why i had so many extra innings or why it would take them so long to play games but it never felt like we could get out in nine regular innings. <laughs> um, so I think the latest show we ever did, I think it was I don't remember how many innings, but I remember going on at like two AM. And wow. yeah, it was it was rough. It didn't feel good. Uh, but we were delirious, so maybe that made for a better show, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, it was it is a challenging thing, uh, to kind of Uh, burn the candles at both ends on that one but um I I mean when you do something that you really love and feel passionate about and I really love Triple's Alley I mean it was really our show to produce and to you know star in so it was our baby and as much as it was hard to uh kind of work seven days a week kind of several hours a day uh it was I felt like it was worth it and um I honestly can't wait to go back to it. You know, I think I took it a little for granted.
0: So you have a pretty organic rise uh, throughout in, in, in you know, getting to do some of these things that you love, and which is something I really appreciate about you. Uh, when you were, you know, going from being a fan, being a, a, a Twitter person who I first learned because you were doing all these great gifts, and then kind of just, you know, Putting your foot in the door in other places to do radio and to do TV. Like, can you, like, it's been, it hasn't been that long. It's been pretty recent since you've been creating these avenues for yourself. Like, have you kind of reflected back and kind of just, you know, thought about, wow, you know, look at all the stuff that I did all because, you know, of this interest in baseball and just kind of standing for myself?
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the best things about kind of this day and age with digital and social media being what it is, um, is that anyone can really make their dreams come true if their dreams are to, you know, produce content or be a part of uh, a team that they love or explore passion kind of with other people. And, you know, like you called it being an influencer or content creator. Um, it becomes much easier with, you know, YouTube, uh, TikTok, like all these different avenues. And um, I I think for me personally, it was like, I just wanted to be a part of the conversation. I never really thought it would become obviously what it is today. I definitely never thought I would have a TV show. <laughs> that was not something that was like, even on my radar. So um, I really started out writing, making gifts, tweeting and that's it like there was nothing really going on there and it was just kind of whatever I felt like it and then it became a little bit more structured when I started working with Marty and KNBR. and that role also expanded from kind of just you know writing out sponsors and things like that to uh, doing player interviews and and that in turn, spiraled into, you know, Triple's Alley, um, which obviously I have no TV experience. I'm pretty sure that's fairly obvious when you watch me on TV. Um, but it's it's meant to be kind of a more fun and loose show. So uh, it works out to my advantage that they don't need me to be completely polished.
0: Yeah. And you get to kind of learn about something different on the fly Uh, I'm sure you learned a lot about radio just doing the radio show, and you're going to learn a lot about TV just doing that TV show, which is actually pretty cool. Um, So what about, uh, just give me your background. Like when it comes to sports, were you an athlete growing up? Did you play a lot of sports? How did you get involved with uh, being such a big fan? Because you are a a gigantic Giants fan. But where does all that come from for you?
2: Um, You know, I I don't know. I feel weird calling myself an athlete (laughs) because I just don't feel very athletic a lot of times. But um, I did play softball kind of from T-ball up until um, I think I played I played a little in um, high school and then I kind of stopped in college. But, you know, I would do that. Um, But really, the love of baseball and um, especially the Giants really comes from my relationship with my father. Um, He is an immigrant and he kind of came here um, to America and fell into the sports scene. I think he's always loved sports, but he was like really into the 49ers, very into the Giants, um, would kind of watch a lot of sports, always have sports talk radio on. Always Sunday was football day. Uh, Giants game was always on. Uh, Warriors games were always on. So. He was kind of my gateway into sports. He would take us to a lot of games. He bought me a lot of gear, and over time, that kind of became our main channel of communication. Uh, we have a very traditional Asian uh, father-daughter relationship in which that you know there's not a lot to talk about at times. Okay. But sports provide something that we can both be really passionate about and talk to each other for hours about, especially when the Giants were going through their, their playoff runs and World Series. We really talked the most during those times just because, you know, there was a lot going on. And my dad, I remember in 2010, I was living in New York City. 2012, I was living in uh, Seattle he would wake up early go to the dugout store wait in line to get in to buy me all the like nlcs world series merch and then ship it to me wherever i was and so it's just one of those things that i you know i have a very obviously i I love the giants i love baseball um but i think i love it so much because it it is that kind of um tight bond that i have with my dad um, and it's very nostalgic for me in that way
0: One of the things that comes with a little bit more visibility for you is social media can be both a very positive place, but also a very negative place. And you are a smart baseball fan, but you are also a baseball fan where a lot of what you love about baseball are are rooting for your favorite players. And how do you like do you have any tips for people who, you know, look at Twitter and go, oh, God, what a cesspool. Because uh, you've had to deal with a lot of negativity on Twitter, like I see it almost daily, in a you know, sometimes, and you know, not only from you know fans, but also sometimes from you know people kind of jabbing at you, uh, who who also are sort of in the media as well. Uh, but like, what are what are some like? How do you deal with the negativity aspect of Twitter, which is essentially you know should be a fun place to to talk about the Giants?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I, well, I, for people who don't know, I also work at Twitter. Um, so it's really like, I can't escape it, even if I <laughs> wanted to, to be honest with you. But um, I've started using, from a more technical aspect, I've started using conversation controls, which is mm. like where you can limit who responds to you. Um, and people may call that cowardly, but I am just protecting my kind of mental health and space. Oh, yeah. So sometimes I know if it's about Aubrey Huff, if it's about these kind of like lightning rod topics, I'm going to use that because I do not tolerate that kind of like hate on my in my personal life. Right. So I'm just not going to allow it into my space. But um, if it's just kind of generally, I don't use that too much. I maybe use it like once every month or something. Um, But in general, you know, I think you're right on the nose where it's like, There's the fan aspect of it where people tell me, you know, they'll either mansplain me or they'll just be kind of rude because I'm a woman or whatever, you know, just that kind of stuff. And to me, that's almost easier to swallow than kind of dealing with like my media colleagues who I think there's this um, kind of expectation that if you're in the media, then you're supposed to have no passion for what you do. Mm -hmm. And you're supposed to, you know, if you don't. Uh, take this thing, this kind of approach where you're very kind of blase about everything and you kind of take this straight line down the middle that you're not a good reporter or you're not a good content creator or that you don't know anything about the sport. And I really, really hate that. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to always kind of push out uh, in the stuff that I do, where it's that you don't need to be... A curmudgeon to be good at your job you can have passion for the game you can have feelings um you know like players are human beings and if mm-hmm. they get dfa'd and you feel for that person it's okay to feel that way right. because you're human and i i think that human element is really missing from kind of sports reporting in general and maybe it's because people don't want to be you know, kind of yelled at all the time for how unprofessional. Especially women, I think, are always kind of targeted for being emotional, or kind of they're always given the fluff pieces about players. Like you cover this, like them having a baby or something. Mm-hmm. Um, where I just I I hate those stereotypes and I hate those stigmas. You know, so um, I always try to uncover stories that I find interesting. Whether it be quote unquote professional or not, because I think that's what fans really want to see. So that's kind of my approach, and it it doesn't necessarily gain me a lot of points with my colleagues all the time, but you know, I'm seeing more and more that that's the kind of content that even professional sports anchors are, are going towards. You know, things are getting a little bit more silly, they have more gifts, they have more fan engagement, and I think that's where everything's moving, anyways. So it's kind of like, you know, you got to evolve your content um, with what people want. And if you don't do that, pretty soon you'll be irrelevant. And I think baseball in general is kind of suffering from that. So I don't know. That's a long winded way of saying kind of just know what you stand for Mm -hmm. and try to always use that as a North Star, even if people are uh, being really critical of you. Um, Stick to your guns. I don't know it's hard to do but that's what i try to do
0: you're you're not a beat reporter you're not writing gamers so fandom absolutely can can you know ring i mean look at the who's who's the the biggest uh you know podcaster in in sports today is bill simmons and his whole his whole thing is that he's a a fan of all of his teams so like yeah it's kind of ridiculous um so what are your thoughts on how the mlb mlb has handled this season with the pandemic. There were some stops and starts and there was lots of fear that it wasn't going to happen. And then we have this season, which is a 60 game sprint. Some teams have have not played as many games as others. But overall, as a uh, as a fan and as someone in the media watching, what, what are your thoughts about how MLB handled it?
2: Uh, not great. <laughs> I can say that it, it started rough even with the player negotiations of how many games what they should be paid honestly nobody came out of that looking particularly good uh I would say the players didn't nor did MLB so it started off rocky to begin with um but in general it was almost it almost feels like no matter what happens with COVID no matter what happens with racial injustice or anything that's going on in the world baseball seems to kind of want to pretend like it's not happening i mean certainly you know they did cancel a game here and there for certain things but i don't know that i feel like it's super genuine it kind of just seems like they're determined to get through the season and to get to the postseason where all the money is really made uh kind of no matter what right no matter what players get sick or what happens um, and personally, I've I've not been as invested as I've been in the past, you know, probably because, you know, I don't have a TV show and a radio show to do, but also I think it's just hard to focus on, you know, the innings pitched by Johnny Cueto when I'm very worried about players getting sick and mm-hmm. spreading it to their families and mm-hmm. setting a bad example for what should be done during these times. And, you know, it's kind of preoccupying my thoughts a lot of the time. So, you know, I think baseball needs to be open to the fact that they may not make it an entire season. They need to be okay with that, but that doesn't seem to be their approach at the moment. And there's seven inning games being played. Some teams may not even get their whole kind of game sets in. And I'm kind of like, what are we doing here? Yep. You know what I mean? Like, is this this doesn't even feel like a real season. It just feels like kind of a joke at this point. So... I don't know. I'm I'm kind of on the side of MLB should kind of be more tapped into what's happening in the world instead of being kind of tone deaf about it. But that's just me,
0: which is historically what MLB Major League Baseball has been. They are the you know, they're sort of the American pie sport going, you know, back to the beginning. But something that 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 you just made me think about, which is the NBA Uh, They had games canceled. Essentially, I guess you would call it a strike. They canceled postseason games. They were deciding if they were going to finish this season, which is in a bubble. And they decided to, uh, to start playing again. But they wanted some concessions from ownership in order to play. And they used their leverage in order to do so, which relating to baseball... We did see some games canceled the a's and and the astros uh, the giants and the dodgers um there there were there was some things around you know 42 seconds after 42 seconds walking off the field so baseball which generally is either all or nothing you know historically it's all or nothing you saw some players and teams use that same leverage and it was sort of unprecedented to me like what did you think about Uh, those games and those players you know holding out for for you know what what was really bothering them about what's currently going on in the world
2: i mean i was shocked because baseball is not one of the more progressive sports i mean you almost expect to see it in the nba because you have leaders like lebron over there there's not really anybody in baseball you know they don't have a lot of black players uh in the league in general and, you know, they have Jackie Robinson Day, but what have they really done to elevate black players in the game? I don't know that they have. So to me, I, I was surprised, especially since we all know there's probably a lot of players who didn't want to strike. Um, so I, I think it's a good step. Um, you know, I kind of wish they had done more with it, meaning, you know, okay, you striked, And now what? What are we doing now? Mm -hmm. You know, there's still tons of racial inequality. Things are still going on um, around America that are just awful for kind of minority groups. So I would love to see baseball take that on um, a little bit more to highlight uh, their minority players more. Um, but you know, I, I think it's going to be a slow, a slow climb. I think there's certainly individuals who care a lot about it on teams, but I'm not sure that the franchises themselves, you know, the ownership and, and people like that are particularly invested in this cause.
0: Mm -hmm. So you, you mentioned before that the season is kind of, it's, it's kind of a phony season to you, um, But there has been a change with Gabe Kapler being the manager, replacing a legend in in Bruce Bochy. And there is a little bit of a end to the dynasty here where a lot of the players who were the, the remaining players on the World Series teams are soon, you know, eventually going to be pushed out here. And how, did, how do you feel about that whole thing? You know, obviously, well, first about Kapler. What do you think about Kapler? And then secondly, um, you know, about about the guys who we rooted for to, to see World Series is, and now, you know, it does look like the writing is on the wall, and, uh, you know, Hunter Pence was already released, and other, you know, other guys' uh, contracts are coming up in the near future. So it's a little, you know, I would imagine it's a little bittersweet as, as a fan for you, like it is for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, King Kapler... He has slowly earned my respect. I will say that uh, I was very hesitant about the hiring um, when it happened. Obviously, he's had a very checkered past. um, Not only from his performance on what he does on the field, but I mean, there was that whole thing with the Dodgers organization um, and sexual assault that I don't think he handled particularly well. Um, And I think that truly he... You know, I don't know if it's he's intentionally trying to make amends or this is what he would have done anyways, but you know he's really been vocal regarding kind of Black Lives Matter. He's been supportive of the team making whatever decisions they need to make in order to support the cause. Um, you know, he he certainly has stepped up in a lot of aspects, and I do believe people can change. I believe they can learn from their mistakes if they want to. And his actions are demonstrating that to me. So uh, that's, to me, much more important than winning games with a team that is kind of half put together. You know, I don't know. I think he's made a couple mistakes on the field. He definitely doesn't uh, always make the right choice, in my opinion. But, you know, I didn't expect the Giants to be good this season anyways. So if he needs to kind of work it out, uh this season which is like what 60 games and a bunch of people hodgepodge together i don't care go ahead you know like it it makes no difference to me i would prefer that i think he's a good human being and he's starting to build that rapport i think with the fan base right with every step that he takes towards these these matters that are really important in this time so that's kind of number one your second question was around the older legacy players, right? Right. Yeah. So I mean, you're right. It is hard to see players like Hunter Pence be DFA'd. I think you know, Pablo Sandoval's kind of on the fringe too. Uh, the Brandon's, you know, Brandon Brandon Belt's heating up a little bit, but you know, Brandon Crawford had slowly been kind of declining over time, you know, steadily. I mean, he's still pretty good with the glove, but you know, he's super slow. His bat speed is certainly not what it used to be. Um, And I think it's, you know, it's always kind of sad to see the tides turn, but then you look at guys like Mike Yastrzemski, Mm -hmm. uh, I look at Logan Webb, I look at Hunter Bishop, I look at Joey Bart, I look at Sean Jelly, and I get very excited, (laughs) and quite frankly, uh, I, I think that, you know, these new guys that are coming in are going to be kind of what this other team was back in the day, so... It's never fun to kind of see players that you love slowly decline, but it's the circle of life, as they say.
0: Right, right. And I'm glad you said that, because, you know, the thing that this podcast covers is we cover the the current team. But we also we are, you know, I started watching the Giants, gosh, probably like 1983. So, you know, I go back to. Days when they weren't weren't a good franchise and they were kind of the the laughing stock at times and so you know my memories are kind of all just combined with some really bad teams and then we get the World Series teams but I really like that what you said about you know this is how sports works and you can still have love for guys uh, for players uh, who are, are at the end you know d- just because Hunter Pence um, did not have a good season it does not take away from. The seasons that he did have that, and and his contributions to to winning baseball. So,
2: no, absolutely not. Yeah, I think he's he did a really nice kind of gracious thing by saying, "Hey, I totally understand, and you know, I'm just grateful for the time that I had, and that just makes me feel better, right? Like he's good with it. So what I can't sit here and be upset when he's perfectly happy with it, you know. So that's kind of how I, I view it.
0: I hope they bring him back as some sort of coach or some find a position for him because the the positive energy that he has and his positive mindset and all of those things that are kind of hard to teach. I would love to see baseball and maybe the Giants have a position like that where you sort of deal with the mental health and you help inspire and you help people who are going through hard times and and stuff like that i think i think there's a opportunity to to bring someone in who who is like that
2: yeah absolutely
0: all right so now let's get quickly a little bit to the past who's your favorite giants player of all time
2: oh that's really hard um i mean i always go to jt snow because i love first baseman and his defense, like, I just love defense. So JT's Snow, I'm never going to pick a guy like Bonds or, <laughs> you know, it's just not going to happen. It's either him or I would say Ryan vocal Song.
1: Oh,
0: interesting.
2: Yeah. So, like, I'm always going to pick an underdog guy.
0: Okay. Pre-World Series, so before 2010, and even even dating back to your childhood, if you like, what, what is the, the one favorite Giants memory that sticks out?
2: uh that would be <laughs> jt snow rescuing darren baker off uh home plate
0: yeah and then i know that's then like... seeing darren baker play uh college baseball at cal
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's such a random one but honestly like i remember that moment i have the newspaper clipping still at my childhood house <laughs> so it's definitely that
0: okay out of the world series teams 2010 2012 2014 Which one do you hold truest to your heart?
2: 12. Really? No doubt, yes, 12.
0: Okay, explain.
2: Okay, Um, one, I think it had my favorite cast of characters, right, like all the guys on the team, I feel like I was really attached to, that was the season Hunter Pence kind of came in and rescued things. There was a lot of theatrics in that one because there were so many elimination games There was always some sort of crazy sunflower seed speech. Uh, There was just a lot of stuff that I loved about that team that I will never forget. I remember being the most invested in that one because it was uh, just elimination game after elimination game after elimination game. And they were kind of the comeback kids in in all of that. and obviously, I love Ryan song I love Brandon Belt. I love Hunter Pence. Like, these were all guys that, you know, did a lot during that time. So, and Tim Lincecum was there, which, I mean, Timmy's a really, uh, I just love watching Timmy play, right? So, he was there as well. And, you know, it's just one of those that I remember being so anxious about every game and then being completely shocked when they would pull out another win.
0: <laughs> the rally, you
2: yeah, I just felt so much. Uh, are you surprised because that's not your favorite?
0: No, 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 I was. I'm surprised because I just expect people to say 2010, just because we it had been so long. Um, but I like the answer because it's it's really um, sort of what you were doing, where you were, the memories that were created. Like I've I have so many crazy memories from that season two. I remember being at work and there was a night game, and we would all kind of watch it on um at work and the game went into extra innings it was the marco scudero where he opens his his up to the rain like i literally had to leave work going like okay i got to figure out how to listen to this game i'm following twitter to make sure things are going well and i finally get to my car uh you know after bart and then I get to listen to the the last inning when they when they win the game. So it's crazy stuff like that. Where, uh, yeah, two two thousand twelve is is very memorable season. Uh, okay, so some I have some quarantine questions for you. <laughs> okay, so staying sane during our quarantine here, what what is a, a tip or two that that you've you can tell people that you've done to kind of just make sure that you're not going stir crazy and, and you know, you're still getting stuff done that you want to do and, and, and you're being okay, you know, mentally and such?
2: Um, uh, two, I guess two things. One, I really find it helpful to be active in some way. Um, I realized in the first half of quarantine, I was not just because I was, I was literally just like eating Oreos and like sitting around. (laughs) because I was like so sad about it. But as soon as I started to like take walks, you know, I got a Peloton. I started doing some home workouts. All this stuff has really helped me mentally. And I do suffer from anxiety. And that's one of the kind of releases that I think has been really helpful. But I think the second thing and probably the most important thing is like, to be kind of kind to yourself. I think a lot of people expect themselves to be functioning as they were pre-quarantine, especially since so much time has gone by. I think everybody gave themselves a break for maybe the first month or two or even three months. But I think everybody's kind of realized this is not going away anytime soon. Uh, Things need to go back to normal, right? Whatever the new normal is. And so I think with that, people have started to expect more from themselves and I think it's a really stressful time, whether you're consciously aware of how much it's affecting you or you're not. Um, I think it's important to find time for yourself if you work and you can take time off. Um, even if you're not going anywhere, I would highly recommend that. I do that. I just did that on Friday because I was so mentally exhausted
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it was so nice. I didn't do anything. I just like ran errands and went to Trader Joe's when nobody was there yeah. and that was like the best thing I could have done for myself. So I think just being easy on yourself and realizing, hey, things are things are really hard, and if you're like surviving, you're doing pretty good. So just to be easy on yourself.
0: Okay, we're we're coming down the the, the closing stretch here. Rob right. Nen's Rob Nen's about to come in the game. Hell yeah. Um, okay, give me one of each if you have them of a recommendation. Of a book you've recently read, a movie or show that you've watched, and a podcast that you've listened to. and if you and if you haven't really done a lot of that, then that's fine too. but I, I've found that lots of people are getting into you know some media that they haven't that they were kind of waiting on on, on starting.
2: Um, I just finished a book. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called like Good Vibes, Good Life, or something like that. and it's by this guy named Vex King. Uh, and it really helps you kind of reframe your state of mind um, and kind of change things so that you can be more positive and focus Mm. on more positive things um, and how you're kind of in control of a lot of those negative thoughts that you have and how you can kind of shift them into uh, positive vibes. And, you know, being positive and having positive vibes attracts... Um, Positivity around you Whether it be in the people that you are around Or the things that happen to you So um, I just enjoyed reading that Because it was really quick and short And um, very helpful for me personally Just to always Think about how I can reframe My thought to be more positive Especially in times like these Um, A show I'm trying to think I mean I watch a lot of trash to be honest (laughs) with you I watch Too Hot to Handle
0: Oh I'm on that
2: oh yeah it's such trash but it's so good and then i watched the, the circle
0: i don't know if you saw oh, yeah. that i saw that
2: yeah so i watched the circle i i mean it's trash but if you like that you'll like them both and netflix
0: w- shows for people who are wondering where you them.
2: yeah play. uh a show that i found really funny was the i'm trying to remember what it's called right now but it's the one that mindy kaling is um producing
0: oh, uh, um
2: do you know what i'm talking about uh never have i ever is that what it's called
0: I I think I know what you're talking about, but I don't know too much about it. It's
2: just a 30 minute show, uh, like basically like maybe 10 episodes. And it stars uh, an Indian girl um, whose father passed away. And it's just kind of like her in high school. And it's just very charming and very, very cute and funny and lighthearted. And I just really enjoyed uh, that show. So it's on Netflix as well. So those are kind of three shows. And then, like, podcasts. Like, I'm super into podcasts in general just because you can kind of be doing whatever while you listen to a podcast. Um, So I start every day with um, Up First by, uh, I think that's, is that NPR? Yeah, NPR is Up First. And it's basically three of the top news stories for the day. And it's less than 15 minutes. And it just, like, kind of catches you up. It's very non-biased. It just delivers facts. So it's just a nice way to, I know a lot of people are overstimulated with news, especially bad news. So if you want to know what's going on to feel tapped in, but not stress yourself out, it's a great way to kind of every morning be caught up. And then I listened to The Daily, New York Times. Um, I don't know if you listen to it, but it's basically one story more in depth. Um, the other day they covered, uh, well, they over the time of quarantine, they've covered like murder hornets. And they've talked about Joe Biden's kind of presidential run. And they've talked about all sorts of things. They've, they've even talked about um, baseball coming back. And that's a 30 minute episode of uh, just, it's really interesting. It's kind of like a storytelling narrative. And then I listened to a lot of murder mm. <laughs> and true crime. Uh, yeah that for some reason calms me down <laughs> ironically uh but i listen to crime junkie which is two women who have known each other their whole lives and they're from indiana and they tell a lot of stories that oh, I've, are, I've
0: read about this podcast
2: yeah they're excellent they're really really good and they um they talk a lot about cold cases are unsolved because they want to bring attention in those cases. So I really appreciate them. And then something that's a little more lighthearted. I love the Try Guys, and they're formerly a BuzzFeed. They have their own company now, and it's basically four guys. Um, Very non-toxic masculinity happening on their show. Uh, They primarily run a YouTube channel, but they also have a podcast where they talk about a variety of different things. They have one that's really, really strong on kind of being an ally during Black Lives Matter, which I appreciated um and they just talk about kind of all sorts of things so um that one is a very funny lighthearted. in case you don't want murder or murder hornets you can check that out
0: well i appreciate you taking all of the time in your uh, busy day to hang out with us just so people know where to find you if they aren't finding you already uh you know where can people find your social media stuff
2: yeah, I'm at Carmen Q on basically every platform, so it's pretty easy to just uh, find me wherever you want.
0: And that is Carmen, and then last name K I E W. Yeah, that's right. All right, thanks, Carmen, and I appreciate that. And uh, just love to see your rise. I feel like you know this is like a Twitter success story in a sense because I've seen you kind of do new things and, and do the things that you want to do. So really love to see that happen and keep doing it.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks again to Carmen for hanging out with us. I really liked talking to her. Uh, She has quite the story with just how organic her rise in just doing things that she likes, uh, you know, in baseball. So... Well, let's uh, let's let's end this show with the last segment, which is our tournament here. So I'll let you kick it off. What happened? 1962 versus 1965
1: Giants. Well, this was a weird series because you got the 62 team, 65 team in the 60s. There weren't a lot of guys moving around. You know how it was back then. Mm-hmm. There, there wasn't a ton of movement. So... When we when I was doing this one, it was it was it was hard to keep track of which team I was watching <laughs> because each team had a Willie Mays, mm-hmm. each team had a uh, Willie McCovey. Um, there were Alou brothers everywhere. Yeah. I mean, the '62 team had um, Philippe Alou and Matty Alou. Uh, the '65 team had Jesus. And Maddie, mm-hmm. so it was it, you know it was kind of hard to keep and follow. So I had to really concentrate on this one. But pitching was just um, after the first game. Pitching was very dominant in this series, as it was in the '60s. Uh, every I joked with you. Every other game had a had a Marichal pitching <laughs> in it because sixty-two and sixty-five. The edge for sixty-five, though, as we saw in the last series, the, the nineteen-sixty-six team, the edge was. Gaylord Perry. I mean, they had that one two punch of Marischal and Perry in 65 and 66. So if those two teams end up meeting, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but, you know, it's also funny, too, because like I said, both teams had a maze. 62 Maze was lights out. He hit 476, uh, had a home run and four driven in. Um, but 65 Maze was a little quiet. He hit 273 with a home run and only drove in one run, stole a couple of bags. Um, But that 65, every game was close. Uh, But that 65 team just took it to the 62 team and they won four games to one. Every game was was very close. Uh, There was back and forth in every game. So it was a really fun series to watch.
0: So the 65 team was no slouch obviously these are all you know the best Giants teams ever. They won 95 games but the 62 team, because of the fact that they tied with the Dodgers at the end of the season, they ended the season 101 and 61. and then they had to play the Dodgers. Uh, th- uh, three game series mm-hmm. and so they win the first eight zero they lose the second eight seven and then they come back and then they win the the third game to go to the uh to, to the world series uh they went they went six to four. So th- that team has a regular season record of 103 and 62.
1: <laughs> You'll never see that again. No. I mean, no. I, I'll tell you that. You'll never see that again. Who, who you know, can you imagine nowadays tiebreaker? Hey, you're going to play three more games. Oh,
0: my God. They just wouldn't do that. No, no way. <laughs> the players would th- just be like, are you kidding me? Yeah, right. So how much are we getting paid for that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, but you could sell the hell out of those games. Three sellouts in a row before the playoffs start. Oh,
1: and Giants, Dodgers for three games. Sure,
0: Yeah. Oh Pack Stadium
1: for each one. R- ratings
0: week. <laughs> out the kazoo. Okay, so um, the the sixty five team wins four games to one. Kind of a surprise. I, I did expect the sixty two team to pull this one out, but that you know, like you said, the teams are very similar. Lots of the same players, but still, that that sixty two team sure seemed special. So I was I was kind of surprised, and I was actually more surprised that the series only went five.
1: Well, and I thought, I thought this series, we're going to get our, our, uh, our seven games, right? I I thought for sure, this is going to be the seven game series. We've had one series, the 2012 world series champs against the 2001 90 win team. That one went six games. Uh, other than that, every series has gone five. Um, so I thought for sure, Oh, this is going to be it. Uh, And with every game being close, um, I think the 62 team had a lead twice and lost the lead late. Um, So I think that contributed a little bit to what looks like a lopsided series, Mm -hmm. which was definitely not. Um, When we get into the next series, though, if that one doesn't go seven, I'm going to be
0: surprised. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, so let's preview that series.
1: So the next series, we got the number five seed, our, our beloved 2002 World Series losers. You got Rob Nen, Barry Bonds, Rich Aurelia and company against the 1993 103 win team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bonds, um, uh, first year in San Francisco. uh and that team was just a powerhouse. Will Clark's last season in San Francisco, correct? So that's Yes. You know, so we'll get some Will Clark and Barry Bonds on the same team. Um so yeah, that that'll be an interesting matchup. I I bet that one goes seven games.
0: I sure would hope so, because those are two of like the teams of my uh, my childhood, right there, or my teenage years too, like right right smacked in, in there. As far as like, especially when you know when you think about it, I mean, we're big baseball fans now, but we you know as an adult, you got to like multitask and prioritize so many different things. But when you're 13 and it's like summer vacation, it's like you know video games, go outside, and play baseball <laughs> with your friends. And then do it all over again, like the next day, and you're listening to the Giants in the background, like that. That was what the summer was like. That's pretty much it. I mean, I remember being out, and you know,
1: sorry, you talking '93. I was oh god, I'm gonna do math here. Uh, I was 20, so I was 20 years old. So, believe it or not, still out there playing. Uh, playing wiffle ball with the buddies and everything. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, like I said, listening to the giants game and just completely amazed at every time listening to the 1993 giants games before you knew it, they had scored six or seven runs. I know. I mean, it was just, it's like this team this year, I'm still in shock after the world series championships we had that we're in 2020 and this team is scoring six and seven runs a game. So, um, but that yeah that one's that one's definitely going to be a fun series. I'll we'll get the the lineups and everything set up for that and start rolling on that one.
0: All right, so that is going to be it for here. We'll be back next week the same time, and uh, and yeah, so hopefully by this time next week we'll have a little bit of a better idea on where the giants sit. And uh, maybe uh, you know, may- maybe we'll have a better picture on on what their outlook is for the rest of the season. But you know, in this bizarro season, the thing that I really appreciate is just that we didn't go a summer without baseball cuz that would have been like the weirdest thing of all time you know your body is like at this time of the ce- of the year your body is just like okay what am i usually doing right now right. oh like baseball <laughs> like wh- what the heck this so that that is one thing you know all these players who are you know risking their their health with with playing during these times and i really appreciate that because you know it is a it is a little bit of a consistency to such a nutty a year that we have, like baseball, at least sort of brings it back a little bit closer to what we're used to doing.
1: Well, and here's the weird thing too. I was telling my wife yesterday. I go, "Hey, we're technically like halfway through the season, <laughs> and in 13 days, football starts.
0: Oh my like god, the, the
1: regular season, not not preseason games. We're used to preseason games starting around you know August and whatnot.
0: In 13 days, the season starts. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's going to be crazy." See and then when it comes to football we're on opposing sides we're not on-
1: That's right yeah yeah we don't talk yeah I don't <laughs> I don't talk to you during football season <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right so uh, sir so for, for Brad I am Double G. we will see you next week peace